It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome in to the Tighten Up Podcast on the A to Z Sports Podcast Network. I'm Jack Gentry alongside my partner, Austin Huff. You can find us both on Twitter. I'm at Jack A. Gentry. He is at Austin Huff. We are the Tighten Up Podcast. Give us a follow on Twitter, at Tighten Up Pod. Give us a follow on Instagram, at Tighten Up Podcast. And as always, we're under the A to Z Sports umbrella, so go make sure you're following A to Z Sports on every social media platform. This is Sode number 183. The Tannehill replaces Mariota again, this time as the saddest quarterback on Netflix quarterback of Sodes. <laughs> Very creative. Who sent that one in? That one comes via Eric Swan at Eric Swan on Twitter. Love that one. Man, do we have some things to talk about this week? Uh, I don't know where we'll start. Uh, oh, yeah, probably number 17 himself, uh, Mr. Ryan Tannehill. That, we've got so much more. Look, we our goal here today is to make you feel better about Titans football. Uh, when this podcast is over, then, then how you feel about Titans football right now, okay? Look, we all feel a certain way. By the end of this sode, if you do not feel better, we will give you your money back guarantee. So, Jack, before we get into the sode and before we get to Braden Gall and everything that we have to talk about, let's first get a word from our friends at Relax the Back. That's right. Does your back hurt? Does your neck hurt from sitting up and watching that display on offense on Sunday? Well, then Relax the Back's the perfect place for you. They set out every day to help people in the national area work better, live better, and feel better. If you're like me and you struggle with insomnia or posture issues, you got low back pain, you're always stiff. You're you kind of got a crick in your neck. Relax the back is the place for you. They've got custom office chairs, massage chairs, X chairs, zero zero gravity chairs to fight neck and back pain. And if you're looking for some better sleep, that's the place to go as well. They've got techno gel and Tempur-Pedic pillows and mattresses to stabilize your spine and maximize your sleep every single night, so you're waking up refreshed after those eight hours. Go check them out. If you live in Nashville, they're located over at 2020 Glen Echo Road. Uh, that's right across from the Green Hills Regal Movie Theater over in that little shopping center right next to Hillsboro High School. If you don't live in Middle Tennessee and have no idea what I just said or what I'm talking about at all, you can check them out online at stores.relaxtheback.com slash Nashville. Check out everything they've got in their showroom. It's awesome. It's great. But you don't get to lay in it like you would if you <laughs> visited them in person. So when you go see our friends over at Relax the Back, make sure to tell them that A to Z Sports sent you. And with that said, let's talk Titan. It's rolling around the bend, and I ain't seen the sunshine since I don't know when I'm sucking cold prison. What is up, Flameheads? Welcome to the Tighten Up Podcast. Today is September 13th, 2023. And Jack, there's a quarterback in this league whose team wears blue at home, white on the road. He himself dons the number 17. 
He threw three interceptions in week one alone, including one on a deep ball. He continuously survives on having regular season success while just failing to deliver in the postseason. In fact, he's never, ever in his entire career even made it to an AFC championship game. I'm, of course, referring to Josh Allen. What a fraud. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Hey, hey, Bills, you should bench Josh Allen. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that a bit encouraging? I know we're going to save the positivity for the end just so we can leave on a happy note. But there were some there were some really good quarterbacks that stunk it up on Sunday. If you ever need proof that week one is a liar. And if you, if you don't realize that saying, if you don't understand that, that saying, week one is a liar, then just look back to the quarterback performances. I mean, even Patrick Mahomes didn't look Patrick Mahomes. Now, granted, he's working with a wide receiver room that rivals <laughs> that of the Tennessee Titans in 2022. <laughs> but, but does that not make you so happy that he's now having to go through the same problems that the Titans have had to go through for their entire oh, yeah. franchise. The thing that frustrates me about that though, is everyone's going to carry the water for Patrick Mahomes and oh, nobody yeah. did for Ryan Tannehill last year. Mm -hmm. It's because Patrick Mahomes has better PR than Tannehill, but then Tannehill goes out and poops the bed like he did on, uh, on Sunday. Um, yeah, that definitely was made. Like it, it felt better knowing that. Oh, also Joe Burrow sucked. Josh Allen sucked. Uh, Aaron Rodgers. Didn't even uh, complete a pass on Monday night. So uh, who's like in the grand scheme of things, Stan Hill wasn't the worst quarterback in the NFL on Sunday. Uh, but mean, he was close. He was close. He, he was close. Don't get me wrong. He was close. I think I'm willing to say that he was the worst NFL quarterback this week. Like, no, Allen, no, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. You got to listen. Allen is able to do things that Tannehill could never dream of. And that, that, that leads to some of his turnovers. Like Josh Allen's interceptions were essentially arm punts on two occasions. He just he just sees a guy downfield and he wants to just be like, oh, I've got this strong arm. They never let me use it. I'm going to throw the ball 75 yards in the air down the field. And you see what happened. Like yeah, Ryan Tannehill was what? 16 for 34. Didn't even complete half his passes. But beyond that, he was creating pressure on himself back there. It, it was it was the timely turnover or the untimely turnover. Just the bad decisions. It was missing... The it's it's hidden in the min com incompletions for Tannehill because there were a ton of guys he should have hit that would have absolutely changed the game, but he missed them on, on fairly wide open throws and the turnover worthy plays. I would like to know what Tannehill's numbers for turner turnover worthy throws were because three interceptions, he, he should count himself lucky. There are five or six balls that should have been picked off. Okay, yes, five or six balls that should have been picked off. There was only two of the three interceptions that should have been interceptions because there was both a missed hold and a missed pass interference on interception number two. Look, I'm not, I don't know, I, I didn't want to do this. I didn't want to do this episode where I'm like defending Tannehill because he sucked. He sucked on Sunday. He looked bad. He looked like uh, he was seeing ghosts. And I don't just mean the, the expression of seeing ghosts when it comes to football. I mean, he looked like he spent a night in a haunted mansion in New Orleans and the voodoo witch doctors got to him and cast some creepy ass spells. And he just was not the regular Tannehill that we 
that we know. Now, look, that was Ryan Tannehill at his absolute worst. Statistically, that was his worst performance in his career. So to chalk that up as, oh, that's how Ryan Tannehill always is, that's an anomaly. Again, we're going to get into more of this a little we bit. Know that, in we know that, though. We know that that's yeah. not always Tannehill. Well, we should know that. But I feel like there's a big chunk of this fan base that is like, this is what we get every Sunday no, that he suits up in two-tone blue. I think, and that's, I think just a, that's just by, being naive, honestly. There's there's a chunk that doesn't believe that Tannehill's the guy. And now that performance didn't exactly help his case, especially in no, his last season. Nor should it have. I'm not, and I'm not carrying the weight for that performance. That was the difference is the, the difference is Tannehill usually starts off well and he starts playing his worst football late. Like it's one thing to throw three interceptions in week one. You can get past that. Yeah. You can't throw three interceptions in the last week of the season. So I I Tannehill, that's absolutely concerning. It's his first game in a new system. Is this the tip of the iceberg? Is this a sign of things to come? We don't know that yet. We need to see more. It's a small sample size we have in Tannehill right now for this season. But he's got the, all of these weapons, so it makes no sense for him to have his worst performance ever. I mean, maybe the best supporting cast. All, all of these weapons. Excluding the offensive line. Excluding I, we, we say all of these weapons. But really, the only weapon he has that he did not have last season is number 10. Other well, than he that... Did, he didn't have Chig for the first half, and he certainly didn't have Tajay Spears. Like, while they're unestablished weapons, I think they're still... I think they still qualify as weapons. Diop's the only established weapon that wasn't here. Yeah, I just... I Yeah, I mean, like, it's still... This still this this Titans offense... Like, I, I think we have... Titans fans, we have this hope that Traylon Burks... And Chig and now Tajay Spears are going to be these great skill position receivers. We kind of still don't know. I mean, like we've only seen minimal <laughs> flashes from these guys. So we're kind of yeah. banking on a lot of hope when it comes to the Titans. And and uh, what's the old saying about hope? Like where you don't have, eh, I don't know. I'm just going to make up a saying. You don't have anything if you have hope. Uh, oh, that's, that's a dark saying. <laughs> we haven't seen we haven't seen a full season from any of those guys because they're all really young, right? Burks had dealt with injuries. Chig wasn't, you know, it was Hooper's team for the or Hooper's right. position for the for the start. And Tajay Spears, uh, we've only seen yeah. for like forty percent of the snaps in one game. So it, well, it's not like it's not learn. like you know he's got you know Cooper Cup on the outside or something. Like we don't know what these guys can be when they're at their when they're at their best, and we don't know what they can be when they're at their mid. So to kind of put this hope that like oh he's got all of these weapons, does he? I we don't know. I'm I'm legitimately asking. But it's 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 not the same as Janu and AJ and, and some exactly. of exactly and, and even like an injured AJ and an injured Julio. Right, right, like, right. It, it's not, it's not that because these guys hadn't been around long enough to get that to earn that respect as a weapon. But I, I shouldn't have said that that's the best group, but I do think it's a capable group, which I, is yeah, and concerning. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Um, uh, needless to say, Tannehill, he literally pooped the bed. There was a giant turd up by the pillowcase, and it was just, it's disgusting. Uh, and like he kind of rolled around in it too, so it smeared all over the sheets. And now nobody wants to lay in those in that bed anymore. Um, but the Titans need to uh, clean the sheets. They need to uh, probably, I would say, bleach them and then get them ready, and you know, refit them back on the bed by uh, Sunday because you've got this Chargers team that's coming to town, and they are really good. Now, 
Would you compare this Tannehill's is... performance to a room at the stadium in? How dare you? How dare you speak? I mean, I, th- I, th- I think I think that's a decent comparison. The stadium in look, we read the Yelp reviews on a on a very dark offseason. If you could leave, if you could leave season. Yelp, if you could leave Yelp reviews about Tannehill's performance, I think we'd have some very similar reviews. <laughs> well, one, you're at least feeling um you know, like you're you're leaving your body in the terms of being high off of drugs. The other one is you you just wish you had drugs so you could forget <laughs> the performance. Um, but it is week one, and look, we've been as starved as anyone. I think it's important to remind Titans fans: look, you we can't overreact to week one. Week one is a liar. Okay, it is. Um, it is literally uh, Kiki Cohen in the OC when she was hiding her alcohol abuse from the rest of her family. Okay. Just a straight up liar cannot be trusted. That was a reference that I know went right uh, over Jack's head. I was literally going to stop you in the middle of it and say, nope, let's move on. <laughs> that was a reference that went over probably <laughs> most of our audience's head. But the best show on television, even though it only ran for four seasons. <laughs> Jack and I do, however, before we get positive, because we did promise at the top of the show that we will, you will leave this, you will leave today after listening to this show, feeling better about the Titans. But before we feel better, we have to feel bad, and we need to rehash the the things that went negatively for the Titans. So Jack and I are going to hit you with our power rankings of the five things that made us the most angry on Saturday. I mean, excuse me, on Sunday. So Jack, let's go in descending order. Let's start at number five and I'll let you go first with your list. And if I have anything doubled up, I'll let you know. But what was your number five on your power rankings of things that you hated the most that made you the most angry? Inefficiency in key situations. The Titans were two of 12 on third down. And 0-3 in the red zone. But here's where I have the biggest problem. The Titans' offense wasn't set up to succeed on third down. Because while they were 2-for-12, the average down and distance on third down was third down and 8. This offense isn't built for those situations. This offense is built for third and 3, third and 4. Third and moderate, at best. Third and 8, you're asking a whole lot out of, out of an offense who really doesn't need to throw the ball nearly as many times as Tannehill did on Sunday, which was 34. So that is number five for me. I am most frustrated about how behind the chains the Titans were for the whole day. Yeah, this offense felt, um, at times, I'll say, at times felt very downing-ish. And that was one of the things that really irked me too. Um, It's not on my list, but the fact that the number of, Second and 10 runs that the Titans did. I think I believe I counted five, maybe six uh, in the game. That, that was one of our biggest complaints with Todd Downing. You would always throw in first down, it'd be incomplete. You'd be looking at second and 10, and then you'd run the ball to Derrick Henry. And if that only gained you three yards, then you're looking at third and long. And I don't think uh, someone brought up a great point. I feel like uh, they said, I think I, I can't remember where I saw this. It was maybe in a comment section or something where it's like, it was almost as if Todd Downing didn't realize. Oh, because he had a quote about it. It was almost as if Todd Downing didn't realize you could get a first down before third down. <laughs> and that's kind of what it, the way it felt like a little bit on Sunday with this team 
constantly being faced on third and longs. And you're right. That's not a recipe for success for anyone, but especially a team that has a bruiser of a back in your backfield, like Derrick Henry on third and two defenses are, don't know what the hell to defend because you've got Derrick Henry in your backfield. They know you could just hand off the ball to 22 and more than likely you're picking up that first down, but on third and eight, most of the time the Titans are taking them off the field altogether, which that's a whole nother topic for another day. But I feel like there is just it, it limits your success or your ability to gain success in in finding yourself in those down and distances. Last thing I'll say, they averaged four point seven three yards of carry. That is your wheelhouse. Third and four, third and five. You can still run Henry if you want to get crazy. Third and eight. We're gonna see Stonehouse a whole bunch of times. Yeah, yeah. Which and we, look, we're, we're the, the biggest stoners. We're the biggest stoners, you know, but even we don't want to see him that many times. Okay. Uh, we don't want to look like one of those uh, old marijuana PSAs where we're just flat on our couch. Um, Jack, what's your number four? Uh, for number four, I was frustrated that Tannehill was pressured on 43% of his dropbacks. That wasn't all the offensive line, and the offensive line is getting a lot of praise for how they played, which I think it's pretty clear after after watching that game and then going to Twitter and seeing what everyone was saying about the offensive line, that the bar is literally on the floor because Tannehill was the seventh most pressured quarterback in the league. Only Daniel Jones, Justin Fields, CJ Stroud, Derek Carr, who was pressured 45% of the times because the Titans have an in, in, incredible front seven. Yeah. Mahomes and Brock Purdy were pressured more. Um, Tannehill, Tannehill did, did, did do, did contribute, did do his part in, in raising that number by holding on to the ball, by by running frantically around in the pocket. But he, it's hard to make good decisions when pressure's breathing down your face at 43% of the time. So maybe get rid of the ball earlier, maybe better protection, maybe chip with tight ends. There are a couple solutions here, but that is not going to help an already struggling passing offense. Yeah, I worry if the if it's worse than him just seeing ghosts. I wonder if it's like a new muscle memory for him where all of last season, every time he dropped back to pass, he had men in his face. And I worry if that's kind of just gotten him all out of rhythm for the remainder of his career, or at least to the remainder of his career in two-tone blue. I don't know. Um, I'm hoping that's not the case. But it is it did feel that way. And I mean, there were quite a few times where uh, I lo- I would look up and Andre Dillard maybe isn't giving up his block. But the man who <laughs> he is blocking is pushing him back into Ryan Tannehill's passing lane. So and I will say this, and I feel like this the, the Saints defense is not giving getting enough credit from Titans fans. That is a really good defense. That, that was one of the top defenses in the league last year, and they returned almost everyone and even enhanced to it. So I like that's a Saints defense that I think at the end of the year, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, that's pretty, pretty damn good. And we talked about that last week. The Saints had the second best pass defense in the league last year. Yeah. And, right. and if you're already going up against that with a good offensive line, you're going to struggle much less having a having a hand in your face half the time you drop back. Yeah. Right. So that that that's a tough formula to beat them and they almost did. They almost did. We're going to get to positives later. Not now. Yeah. Yeah, just a one point <laughs> game. They only lost by one point after as bad they didn't even see the end zone and they only lost by one point. That's incredible. <laughs> but go on. My my third is the Traylon Burks drop. I thought that that was a pivotal moment in the game. It was second and 5. 
it looked like a Traylon Burks drive. He had just caught two passes in a row. He'd been used in the backfield. They were motioning him all over the place. Tannehill's got him in Saints territory, makes a good throw, goes right through Burks' hands. And what happens the next play? Tannehill gets sacked. Drive killer. They could have gotten points out of that. The game would have looked a whole lot differently. There were a lot of things that went wrong. I'm not blaming Traylon Burks for losing this game. This is not Traylon Burks' fault. But I do really wish we had that playback. It was it, That was very frustrating. It was hard to move the ball through the air in general. So when you have a guy open across the field in Saints territory, and he's a reliable receiver, it sucks when 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 they can't connect. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree with I agree with all of that. And that was, yeah. You you hate to see that from a guy that you were kind of. It goes back to what we were saying. We are hoping that these are guys are going to be playmakers. And when you see a drop like that, one does that do anything to Ryan Tannehill's trust to hit him exactly on on passing plays and two, you know, like you need that, you need that, you need your playmakers to make plays. And if Traylon Burks is going to be considered one of our top playmakers, he needs to make that play. So. I know. And I, and I want Tannehill to trust him. It just looks I, to me, it looks to me and, and let me know what you think. It looks to me like he trusts NWI more than Burks and maybe they've been together longer. So that has something to do with it. But I mean, who was getting the ball in the fourth quarter to yeah. move the chains? Yeah. Right. One looking at Burks, he was throwing it at NWI. Even some of the passes that didn't get completed, he was throwing to NWI in critical situations. Yeah, and NWI did look good. Um, the few times he he was he was throwing the ball, so I that was I think a positive. But the positives are for later. Number two, positives are later. <laughs> made, made you uh, frustrated. We love this team so much. We want to talk about the positives so bad, but we yeah, no later. positives later. Positives <laughs> later. Get it out of here. Number two, fourth and six. Rabel rolls out Nick Folk. Great to see that Nick Folk is reliable. I, oh, five for five. When's the last time that happened? Nick when Folk, set the uh, is Nick Folk my new favorite? I think they look, Derrick Henry, I love you, but I think Nick Folk might be my new favorite Tennessee Titans. But the problem was, <laughs> Austin, <laughs> the problem was he was kicking 27-yard field goals, 29-yard field goals, 31-yard field goals. You're knocking the, the, on the, the door for six. How about the very first field goal he attempted? 50-yarder. You're not trying that with uh, old Fat Randy. No offense. Rest well, in you, peace, you, Fat you, Randy. You may, he's not dead. I just hope he's sleeping peacefully somewhere. And he probably is after a big He meal. probably look, is napping right now. It is after lunch. <laughs> it's great to have a guy who can make these make his layups. Yes. But fourth and six, the ball's moving. The game's on the line. I mean, we're talking about a Titans team that needs to prove that they are, you know, this division winner, this this playoff caliber team. Yeah. You have a great yeah. shot, and you're on the road. Like, right. when you're on the road in a hostile environment, and it, it, and, and you've got them where you want them, and it comes down to just one play, let's let's go. Let's that, push. That was, not a, that was not a stick your throat on your opponent's neck type of decision from Vrabel, which is normally the type of decisions you see from Vrabel. He makes the decisions that make you go, oh, what is he doing? You know, and but like that's that's what he does. That's why I went for two in London a couple years ago. Like, like why? Where? What happened to Vrabel? That didn't. It felt very unvrabel like. Very unvrabel. Yes. And I did not like that. That is uh, that is actually number four on my list. And so I am. I am very against that decision. And I'm not just saying that because I had saints minus three in the game. Uh, You're yeah, bad. I that's, bet that's I, you, you don't need to be telling people that that's, that's bad behavior is what that I, is. Look. And the only reason I bet on the game, I'm not even a, a gambler. I'm not a sports gambler. I put a $5 bet on the saints minus three <laughs> to win 
basically so I could get $100 off Sunday ticket on YouTube TV because YouTube TV <laughs> jacked up the prices for Sunday ticket. And the only way I can watch my Tennessee Titans play is through Sunday ticket. The last few years when it was on direct TV, I had some code that I got it for like $10 every year. And it was incredible. I have not been able to find that same deal now on YouTube TV. So I'm looking to get that price down as low as possible. I'm trying to find kids in college that will like, I'm like going to college campuses. Like, Hey, you kids in college, you guys want to help me get that college discount for the YouTube TV, the Sunday ticket. And they're like, get away from me, old man. And I'm like, screw you kids. And then, so then I'm like going to FanDuel who is offering a hundred dollars off. If you make a $5 bet, I've never made a $5 bet. But, but, but you could, you could, you could have bet on any game. I could. Well, okay. Now that is also yeah, fair, but there was only look, one game that I was watching on Sunday, like religiously. And I thought, I thought this is perfect. If the Titans win, I'm happy. If they lose, Maybe I can win a little bit of money to kind of hedge my bet a little bit. And I was in the prime situation for that. They were down by four. The Saints were covering. If the Titans go for the touchdown, they get the win. Titans win the game, and I'm happy. If they didn't, turnover on downs, and they probably lose out, and uh, and then I lose some. Um, yeah, and then I, I, I at least I make some money. You got what this you deserve. This was worst case scenario. You deserved that. You know better okay. than that. I know you. Do. All right. What's your number one on the list? Well, it's Tannehill. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. I'm going to put a pin in that right real quick. I'm going to get to my list. Okay. Number five on my list. Officiating. I, and look, I'm, I hate the people that are like, we lost because of the refs. We did not lose because of the refs. There are like, what, 100, 200 plays in a game. It isn't, you don't ever lose because of the refs. Now there can be one or in Sunday's case, two very massive calls that change the entire, entire, entire trajectory of the game. Yes. Uh, with the, you know, obviously the fumble that, you know, the Josh Dobbs is what I like to call it, where, uh, where Derek Carr gets strip sacked by Arden key of all people. Jeez, Arden key. What you're like, he's good for like one thing. I'm glad he's on our team now. And, mm -hmm. uh, and then Kevin Byard runs it back for a touchdown, but the play was whistled dead. Terrible officiating all around on that. And even on that opening kickoff, the fact that they ruled that the Titans did not recover the football in bounds made the Titans force the Titans to use the challenge on the very first play of the game on the opening kickoff. So there was just the officiating all around was bad. And the Tannehill, pick number two look Tannehill was a uh, terrible he was awful but that second pick is not on Tannehill you can say oh you underthrowed or he forced it into double coverage which some people on Twitter were and to me I, I say to that he first of all that was not double coverage the when one of the defenders is seven yards off of the football like yeah me he probably underthrew it a little bit but regardless like you're putting the ball out there for your player to make a play on the ball. And he can't because he's literally got his arms groped by the defender. That was a terrible call. Should have been first and goal on the five yard line for the Titans to try and punch it in with a nine to six lead at that point. I, I was very frustrated with the officiating. Fair. I'm not going to, I'm not going to have a gripe with that. I honestly thought that that was more obvious than the Dobbs. I like, I, I thought Dobbs yeah, made it was, it's probably closer to 50, 50 with the Dobbs thing with the car with car. I thought for sure that they would give the Titans the football, especially and for them to blow the and, and for them to blow the blow the return dead. 
Yeah, uh, very frustrating all around. Uh, that's, not how, four, that's not how they're taught. That's just not how they're taught. I know. What are, and that's, what are, that's what, are what makes doing? it so frustrating. That's what makes it for so frustrating. They went against their own protocol. Uh, number four, I already said, Vrabel's decision to go for the field goal. <laughs> Thanks, Vrabel. Uh, and and I'm also, Fandle, I'm still waiting for my uh, code to be sent uh, my way for $100 off on uh, that. So I will be reaching out to you after we finish recording here. Uh, number three, Vrabel's reluctance to learn from last year and what I, or from year to year is what I mean. And by what I mean by that, why are our starters not playing any snaps in the preseason? To me, every single week, there's one thing that is guaranteed. It's the Titans to look flat and to play sloppy in week one. And to me, that's just reps. That's going up against a live defense that is going up against an actual NFL team. Why are they not getting any series or even a quarter in, in opening week? I shared this stat last week. Teams that do not get quarterbacks that do not get reps last season, there were 11 of them. They went three and eight in week one. That has got to stop. This whole mindset of protecting your players, first of all, they're professional football players. All right. If they get hurt, that's that's part of it. You have to give them some reps because what we're seeing every year on week one is a, uh, is a joke and I hate it. You know, I used to hate that take. However, after watching the Titans in week one, to the Mike Vrabel era and hearing those that stat, which by the way, great research. I think I'm on board. I mean, what's it, the common it, denominator with all these week one losses? The starters don't play in the preseason. Well, I mean, you know, and they, some, some and do, it's some not just don't, that they don't, they don't, they don't like they they look sloppy, they look bad. DeAndre Hopkins getting a call for a false start. Are you kidding me? Like, like just dumb stuff like that is like what you're supposed to you get it out of the way, you know, and normally. Derrick Henry is is right there on on that page of guys who just look bad in week one. He did not look bad to his credit, but normally he is on that page of like it takes him a couple of games to get going. I don't. I'm I'm sick and tired of this. Get a couple of games to get going. If it takes you a couple of games to get going, start those games in the preseason. I I'm 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 so annoyed with with Vrabel and his just trying to protect his players. And I, I, if I see a starter, a quarterback or a wide receiver sitting in street clothes during a preseason game next year, I'm, I, I don't know. I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to, I'm going to kick out the glass in a window somewhere. I don't know where I can't, but I'm going to do, things. I'm going to vandalize a building somewhere. <laughs> All right. Keep um, going. You're on a roll. Number two, the snap count for players and uh, Derek Henry's more specifically Derek Henry's usage. I thought he was off to a great start. And much like the Jaguars game last year, it just stopped. It was like, oh, uh, I guess we just forgot that we have literally the greatest running back of a generation in our backfield right now, who was still showing you he can produce, who is still showing you he can literally kick defensive backs out the club with his insane stiff arms. Like this is, I, I, and the zone run plays were run, were we're being used so well. I don't understand why we didn't go more to that. Well, in the second half and really try and get things going. But I, then again, I guess I have to say there's much smarter people at this than, than, than me. Well, so I, I think that's fair, but I also don't think that like Tim Kelly was in the wrong for, I, I think sure. A couple more carries may have worked and Braden Gall's got a lot to say about this too. So I don't want to go too into detail. But there were so many plays in the passing game that should have worked that didn't. Yeah. And if those plays work, we're like, oh, wow, Tim Kelly, he figured out a way to throw the ball more. 
and win at the same time. We may be flipping the page, uh, you know, for this Titans offense, but those passes aren't completed or dropped or or poorly thrown, and here we are. Two More snap hindered. count, uh, two snap counts that uh, really just really arced me. NWI getting more snaps than DeAndre Hopkins and uh, Tajay Spears getting more snap counts than Derrick Henry. Um, Those two really stood out to me. Why are your two most talented players on offense not getting the most snap counts at their positions? That goes, that goes back, that goes back to the preseason. You ease them in in the preseason, they're full throttle in week one, but you're easing them in week one and maybe they're full throttle in week four. I'm not sure. Right. And my number one was uh, Ryan Stonehouse's uh, punt getting blocked. No, I'm kidding. It's Ryan Tannehill. Uh, Ryan <laughs> Tannehill. That was awful. But, Jack, let me throw this up, okay? I was lobbed a conspiracy theory my way, and I want to I hash this out on the podcast, okay? Uh, Eric Swan, the man who actually hit us with the Sode title for this week, tweeted me. He t- actually tweeted to both Buck and myself. And we know Buck isn't going to do anything with this or even acknowledge this tweet and uh, give it any time of day. But me? Oh, baby. This tweet is in my wheelhouse. <laughs> Eric Swan tweeted at Buck Rising, at Austin Huff, my crazy, just joking, but in parentheses, but hear me out, theory on why Tannehill looked so bad. I'm like, my antennas went up immediately. Mm -hmm. I love a crazy theory. Let's go. He says, he's being recorded slash followed for the Netflix quarterback show. And then in parentheses, he put aging veteran, youth at his heels, a chance to get behind the scenes, Vrabes, et cetera. And the pressure was felt. Huh? What do we think? What do we the bright think? lights? I, the bright lights and cameras do affect people. I mean, is is this Ryan Tannehill's Britney Spears shaving her head in front of the cameras moment? Did we just witness Ryan asking. Tannehill sh- shaving his head in front of not a national audience but a regional audience? Yeah, look, people are asking, and Tannehill did say in the offseason that he was approached by Netflix to be in that first season of quarterback and turned it down. So maybe now he like saw how the, the show was rolled out and saw, hey, this could be good for He's like, my hey, personal brand. Hey, if they like Kirk Cousins, there's no way they don't like me, right? Well, and think about it. If you're Tannehill, why would you not do it? Because you're entering a contract year. If the Titans don't sign you back, you're going to be looking for a team. That's just so what, not what, Tannehill, though. That is so it's not, not Tannehill. It's not Tannehill. I know. I know. I know. That that doesn't play into the, the theory. But look, Eric Swan. I am all here for crazy fan theories and conspiracies uh, before back before like conspiracies kind of became commonplace within like mainstream media. I was all for conspiracies. Like I love a good, you know, if, if it's well sounded out and well thought out, the more ridiculous, the better. Now, if it's an actual like, oh, hey, uh, you know, the the vaccine puts uh, chips in my brain, you know, like turning, those type of conspiracies. Tur- turning the frogs gay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Conspiracies had a moment or I've been having a moment lately and I, I don't love it. I actually like the conspiracies of like, oh, when they landed on the moon, they discovered a, a wolf that was, you know, like those type of like ridiculous conspiracies I love. And this was <laughs> right up there with that. So Eric Swan, thank you for that conspiracy. Um but yeah, we all agree Ryan Tannehill was the worst thing on Sunday. But uh, it, which only plays into my co-host's hands because you know he wants to just push him in front of a train even more Not now. True. But before we get to Braden Gall, let's first get a word from our friends at 
bet MGM. Bet MGM. That's right. Where Austin can fade the Titans all season long and enjoy all <laughs> of your favorite sports like never yeah, before. Screw, hey, screw FanDuel. <laughs> enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code A to Z Sports and receive up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, player props, and daily boosted odd specials. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Find out why BetMGM is the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Tennessee only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. First online real money wager only. Rewards issued as non-osterable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire seven days from issuance. The problem gambling support called Tennessee Redline at 800-889-9789. Uh, we are joined by a guy who literally just got done saying, I don't know if I'm going to be able to help you with the death spiral, which is what we are kind of all on. This week, as the Titans dropped the only football game we have watched in over seven months, uh, but the eighth consecutive game that they have played over the last 10 months, it is uh, the founder of 440 Sports, an incredible podcast network. Honestly, the only other podcast outside of this one uh, that we recommend you to listen to, you know, uh, all come from 440 Sports. Hot Read Podcast, Football Show, Club and Country, literally uh uh what the is the 440 do you still is the 440 still around no, that's that's been dead a long time thanks for keeping up um i yeah i appreciate it <laughs> it's, almost, I, every- it's almost as if you live in a different market doing a different job every day um <laughs> I, I i no here's the other thing and even buck rising's podcast guess who named that one this guy hey wow guy. he called there we me go. he called me i said hey i got a i got a football show with greg cosell what should i call it he said call it the install motherfucker that's a great name. I'll tell you what, Buck Rising turning to other people for ideas. Not surprising that no, I'm should've, kidding. I love should have broke Buck. that whole story on my show, but it's okay. Whatever. Not yeah, everybody no, can get cool. as creative as the Tighten Up podcast either with their names. So <laughs> the honestly, uh gold standard Paul Kaharski podcast. Uh the only one I would recommend you don't listen to is football on other F words. But other than that, everything okay. on okay. 440 is <laughs> well, top notch chef's kiss. Thank, thank you. Uh, so here's the question then: Which one is more creative, Tighten Up Podcast or a football show? Because <laughs> that's a great question. I, I might yeah. be, I might be giving you a creative run for your money there with a football show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll now in in terms of creativity on like uh, that is executed over the podcast. I mean. I'm not going to let anyone beat us there, but in terms of okay. naming alone, the name of the podcast. Yeah, I know you mm-hmm. gave, you do give us a run for our, money. Oh, I wasn't, was yeah, like, I wasn't, I wasn't talking about the actual content. I was just yeah, talking yeah, yeah, about yeah. The name. Yeah. Yeah. No, a football show is that we clearly was one that you were probably <laughs> racking your brains over for, oh, so for, for hours to, on end. I'm trying Simple. to remember some of the ideas that we were coming up with when we were trying I, what is it flamehead podcast or something i mean we we had some we had some tough ideas get thrown i, out there I, the two I can't believe that one didn't make the cut. <laughs> 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 uh 
I think it was like one of those things where it was like, yeah, like we, I think we, it was something Flamehead uh, that like we really I, wanted Bush, but apparently it was like trademarked by someone. And so then sounds like uh, a good use of money. Yeah. And then, and then uh, Zach and Austin <laughs> yeah, came back right. and were like, what about, what about Tighten Up Podcast? And we were mm. like, isn't that trademarked? <laughs> like, how is that not trademarked? <laughs> that's, that's a good, that's a really good question. Uh, how did you guys end up with the Tighten Up Podcast? No, that's I great. No, um, I don't know. No, that's uh, tremendous. That's, that's, yeah. that's tremendous. As, as is re- as original as A to Z Sports. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, we Which can't nobody laugh about knows, that. But nobody <laughs> knows. I've talked to them about this. Like, this is not, listen, it's all fair game here. Like nobody, nobody that looks at their network knows why it's called AFC Sports. Yeah, yeah right, know, right, right. Every time I explain, it, I said it's Austin and Zach. Yeah, yeah. That's the A and the Z right there. Yeah. Well, what what's funny is, and I don't know if I've mentioned this on this podcast before, but uh, but Cork Bats was actually started by myself and a guy named Zach, and our tagline was Cork Bats, uh, the lighter side of sports from A to Z. Uh, and then we we ended up dropping the tagline. So they stole the name from you. Well, no, they didn't steal it because I don't think they knew. I don't, okay. nobody knows. What, okay. Nobody. There's uh, so many more people that have no idea what the hell cork bats is. So it well, doesn't. And, I, and it doesn't. Cork bats to Z doesn't really roll off the tongue either. So I didn't <laughs> think that was what you were going. I with should that. just replace the S with a Z, and then there it's still live, I guess somehow. But yes, uh, Brayden. No, we Jack and I were racking our brains as to who would be uh, good to bring on after a loss. And we thought uh, probably one of the more well thought out guests that we have, one of the more uh, well spoken um, uncles that we have on our family tree here on this podcast. And that is uh, Joe Dubin. But he was busy. No, I'm kidding. Uh, no, no. It's funny. No, Bra- that's for sure. Braden, uh, Braden Galt, dude, how can we? How should we look into this week one? The only football that we have had in eight months, it is literally, it is like, it is disappointing, but it's also, you want to, I'm trying to rely back to the fact that week one in the NFL is a liar and don't overreact, but it's so hard not to. So where should we be? Where should we be on this scale of being fans as of the Titans? Well, first of all, if you've only if you if that, if that was the first football game you have watched since the Titans lost to Jacksonville in week 18, I would say college football is worth a try. Just want to throw it out there. <laughs> there, there are, there are right, other games um, to take your mind. Van, off of Vandy, what, Hawaii uh, <laughs> didn't really do it for me. They now they're on the rise. Bama and Texas took place in between those two games. That is OK. That. Fair um, point. Fair, so, fair point. So did the national championship game. But that was a blowout. Anyway, no. Um, look, I think you you have to sort of, to me, you have to take like small, not like full blown conclusions, like many conclusions. Like there's little things that you can say, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to make a list of stuff and I'm going to look at that game. And I saw these things and I'm going to take those things and I'm going to track them. And we're going to see how many of them play out throughout the course of the season. And I think this truly is every layer of football because we just don't have that much data in any given season. The NFL, we have the most because you play the most games, but and everybody's basically even. So if I'm looking at, you know, Tajay Spears usage in the offense and Nick Westbrook, Akine's ability to be schemed open by Tim Kelly, like I think those are some positives that I'm going, okay, they're they're using those players in this way. Let's write that down. Let's track it and let's see how it works throughout the course of the season. Ryan Tannehill's general performance is very concerning 
it's also the worst game of, of his career. And maybe not just as a Titan, but maybe in the entire 163 games he started in the regular season. And statistically that seems like it's probable that that's a bit of an outlier. It's also the first quarterback, like it's the first game, the first pass he's thrown in that length of time that you're talking about, even going back before the Jacksonville game, right? Cause he doesn't play some of those games it, with a, essentially an entirely new offense. Derrick Henry's like kind of the only guy who's back in the same role. Aaron Brewer's the only guy back and he's in a different position. You got a new offensive coordinator. You got DeAndre, like everything's new. You went on the road in a very hostile place to play. They've got some really nice veteran defensive pieces and the Tennessee Titans aren't one of the best teams in the AFC. So I think if you kind of use that perspective, it's very easy to see them playing much better in the second week. So to me, it's, it's week one is a liar. Don't make any rash con conclusions, but write a bunch of stuff down. Like why was Ryan Tannehill rushing out of clean pockets? Let's write that down and let's see if that's a week one thing with the new offense thing, or let's see if it's, he's got PTSD from the last two years and like, he can't fix it. Um, arm strength. Let's just write that one down and say, all right, he underthrew three passes where they just bad throws. Cause he overthrew, Tajay Spears and Chigakonkwo on wide open plays where he was over the overthrew it. So maybe it wasn't arm strength. Just write it down and you move on in the next few weeks, you you track it and you see what what happens. Um, you know, the secondary, Christian Fulton, if he's constantly uh, injured, if he's constantly injured and 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 getting run by on critical downs, that's a major problem. And you need to track it and keep an eye on it. So listen, this this Mike Rib, I said this on a football show, creatively titled. Um <laughs> They've lost basically every season opener of the Mike Vrabel era. I think there's yeah. like one time. I think one time they've won. They killed and, the Browns once. Yeah. Yeah. And every season has had a different outcome. Like they've had a year where they didn't win the division, didn't make the playoffs, lost seven straight. They've had a year where they were the one seed in the AFC. They've had a year where they were nine and seven and a couple of nine and seven seasons and made the playoffs and went on an AFC championship game run. And then they've had a couple of seasons where they made the playoffs and lost in the first. Like, They've done everything that you can do after losing in week one. So yeah. long story short, there's no real conclusion you can draw, but every little detail you can write down and you can track it. See, Jack, this is why we brought Braden on uh, for and after the loss. So this is a thousand. Like, I'm sure already feel feeling that, I, no, I'm right already choice. feeling more at peace. I, I you need to package up that answer and put it in like a calm app. And let us just listen to it as we go to sleep after on nights after losses. Uh, listen, I, I've been married 10 years. There's no human being on this planet that thinks my voice is what people will fall asleep to. Braden Gall, Braden Gall soothes you to sleep more so than green noise does, whatever the hell green noise is. What's the difference in green noise and white noise? Apparently, green I, noise smooths your brain and drowns yeah. out the you know the thought the racing thoughts you have late at night. That's like, just what I see on a commercial when I'm up way too late. Like, and I, I like it when Nick Westbrook Akine has four yeah. snaps yeah. on offense than no. DeAndre. Yeah. Hopkins. yeah, yeah. We'll call it the we'll call it the Galm app. Right. Well <laughs> done. Goal. Well done. All right. Well, we were just Talk on the subject later, of. <laughs> we were just on the subject of creativity and I'm I'm glad we we led with Tim Kelly because it seems like he kind of went away from Derrick Henry and I understand that with Tajay Spears with DeAndre Hopkins there's more reason to throw the ball but I mean the Titans were averaging nearly 5 yards a carry and it wasn't like they were down two scores where they had to throw the ball to come back and you know not take too much time off the clock while doing so 
Henry played less than 50% of the snaps. Now, I don't know if that was just maybe instruction from the top saying, hey, don't run him to the ground like our old guy did. But what did you think about just the creativity in general and also Henry's usage as a whole? I, I, If you're blaming people for the offensive performance against the Saints, I would put Tim Kelly's system at the bottom of the list. Okay. I, I, I mean, guys were open. Like when they needed, I mean, they're, they're, the system to me worked. Do I think they got a little too cute for week number one? Maybe. Maybe they went a little too deep into the bag of tricks with like the Henry motion of the Wildcat with Tajay Spears lead blocking and the Chickaconco down the sideline, although it worked. That Tajay was there. Mm-hmm. It, no, it was totally there. Tajay Spears was open twice down the left side, once on the goal line, which, we, which needed to be like an elite pass from Tannehill and was like three inches too tall. And then the other one at the end of the game, if he hits him, that's the one that is truly a touchdown guaranteed if he keeps him in bounds and throws it inside. So, uh, you know, they had a couple – they used Traylon Burks in motion in the backfield basically the entire game. Uh, they eventually gave it to him one time on an end around. He picked up like nine or ten yards. So I, I think, again, outside of being a little too cute, I actually thought the system was pretty good, and I think everyone else was the problem. Uh, I, to me, the Derrick Henry thing is interesting because one of the things I wrote down – to, to again keep track of is that I felt like I was watching Der- an offense in which Derrick Henry is a part of the offense not an offense that is centered around Derrick Henry and it's weird to like explain that further than just watching it and it and and I'm okay with that because a you need him to be carrying the ball probably 30 times in December not September to your point I also am okay with being a little bit more creative and versatile out of the backfield with Tajay Spears. Do I want him playing more snaps than Henry? Eh, probably not, but am I okay with a 50 ish split? Sure. Especially if Derek Henry's going to have more than hundred yards from scrimmage at the end of the day. I, I, I think you need the offense. This Titans team eventually has to, it has to like break itself of its dependency on Derek Henry eventually. And to sort of slowly start to wean yourself off 22 is not a bad idea as he ages and as you influx younger, cheaper, faster players. And so I think that there's a smart strategy here that like, and again, my other favorite part of this conversation is you guys just spent three years bitching about how they didn't throw the ball enough. Not you two specifically, but maybe you did like, you can't then immediately after one game be like, no, we didn't run it enough. Like, right, <laughs> like right. You, can't, you either needed to modernize or you don't. I think it needs to modernize. I think Tim Kelly has some of those things. I saw some of those things. They scheme some of those things. You can still have Derrick Henry be a feature piece without the entire offense revolving around him. Would I have run him the a few more times in the second half? Maybe. Sure. But like Fair. I to, to me, like I'm not gonna sit here and be like, oh, he should have gotten 22 carries versus 15. Like it's so much about down and distance. It's so much about um what looks you're getting. It, it like if they're continuing to roll two high safety looks, then you need to be giving Derrick Henry the ball. If they're going to roll a bunch of guys up into the box, then, you know, maybe you put Tajay Spears out there. Like, there's so much about matchups that they plan for each week, and those of us out here in in, in the, the internet world don't are not sitting in those meetings. Um, so I don't I, I actually don't have a problem with how they use Derrick Henry. I, I think it was fine. I would like the offense to feature Derrick Henry, but not be centered around Derrick Henry, and I know that's a subtle difference. I, I I like what you're saying, kind of di- diversifying your offensive portfolio with some of these guys that they have. But my problem is, if Tannehill's going to throw the ball 34 times, Chig needs more than two targets. And Tajay Spears needs more than one catch out of the backfield. So, uh, like, NWI was, was playing well. I mean, he's playing great. 
but you have more capable options, especially in run after the catch situations. And, you know, if Tannehill can't complete a downfield pass, maybe maybe swing something out wide to one of those two. Um, the Chig play was close to Tajay, you know, Spears play. We probably have a different conversation. And I don't ask this question had just one of those balls been completed. Right. But what do you think about that? If you're going to throw it 34 times, why not get it to some of your explosive playmakers? Well, I, I wouldn't be here because you would have won and you would not have wanted to talk to me. <laughs> That's true. We'd wait for us to lose the Chargers. Yeah. That's right. a good point. One, <laughs> one of those two passes is completed. And, you know, I, again, I guarantee you Tajay Spears scores. Uh, Chig probably scores. I know he was like two steps ahead of Demario Davis, so he probably scores, but you never know. Um, I, I will say, so he was targeted. Chig was targeted on the very first play of the game. Mm-hmm. And so every other pass after that, if you combine Burks in there, I think you've got three targets. You're talking about five targets to your two most dynamic pass catching weapons. And then you mix in one catch with Spears. I completely agree with your point, which is those guys need the ball more on the deflection. The second interception that was down the field, Chig is wide open. So like that's on Tannehill to hit the open tight end and not force it to, of all players, Chris Moore on a deep, on a deep thread at a double, what eventually turned into double coverage. Chig is underneath him cutting across on a smash route. You got to hit, you got to hit that guy. Um, Burks dropped a wide open pass in the oh, killer. They, they got, they got him the ball a couple of times and were actually looking like they were trying to feed him the ball. And then they threw him over the middle on a, on what would have been a first down and he just like drops it. And it's so, it, you know, in yes, the answer to your question simply is who are the most di- like Hopkins is a, is a safety net. And I don't mean that in like an insulting way. He, he just kind of know what he is. You can throw him the ball. He's going to catch it and he's going to fall down. Uh, you know, Derrick Henry is is what he is. The guys who can do things with the football in their hands after the catch in space are Spears, Chig, and Burks. And so, yes, I completely agree. You cannot have a grand total of three catches between them. And after the first pass of the game, a grand total of like six targets for those three guys. Like they, they have to be more involved in the passing game. Um the game also, like, this is not an excuse for Tim Kelly, but like the game flow was very odd. There was never really any, it, like it felt like two teams with new quarter, like one with a new quarterback, one with an entirely new offense playing in week one of, of which nobody had ever played in a preseason game. Like it just felt like that. And so I think this weekend is a far better test of what they actually want to do. I want to go back to your uh, comment about the offense kind of not being centered around Derrick Henry, like feature him, but not center around him. I, to me, I feel like, I mean, actually, let me phrase this as a question. Do you feel like we're overthinking this at all? Uh, Because to me, Derrick Henry still remains your best offensive weapon. Maybe DeAndre Hopkins can kind of give a push for that now, but right now, like Derrick Henry is still the biggest, baddest man on the field. And when he is on the field, defenses need to take account of where 22 is and I think he showed that on Sunday with a lot of his runs that he had uh obviously he had that uh one long uh screen pass that went for 40 plus yards um I think he had what 56 or 66 yards receiving overall but why why do you I to me I feel like as long as he's in a Titans uniform or at least as long as he's still producing the way that he showed that he can still produce on Sunday why not still make him a part of the offense. And I, I feel like there's this mindset that, oh, well, he's a running back and he's not going to be here next year. So we need to start moving on to uh, a a pass-happy offense, which is fine. Like, I completely understand. You need to modernize, modernize the offense. But why can you not do that with 22 involved in all that you are doing? 
I, I mean, I think the answer is both. Like, I think the answer is in between. Like, I don't think you want to go air raid Patrick Mahomes, but right. I also don't think I also don't think he needs 34 carries. I don't, frankly, I don't think that's how you win football games. I actually think what what he gave you, and if you want to give him again a few more carries, and and say he had 20 touches instead of 17, fine. But I would say, wasn't he still the number one primary focus of the? He touched the ball 17 times. So did anybody else touch the ball 17 times? Not even close. Well, so, yeah, I, but I would say that was top heavy kind of at the beginning of the game. And then and then it's, you know, then it, it felt working. like the, the, the Titans did. I mean, it felt a lot like the, what the Jaguars game last year when he had 96 yards in what the first quarter and then he had two the whole rest of the game. It's like it's it, like at some point in the game, this sure. team kind of gets too cute and feels like this, uh, you know, Derek like we need to we need to spread the ball around or do do whatever but if it's working why why go away from it and it seemed to be working very early on in the game well i would have to go back and like truly chart it because i want to say the screen pass came either late in the second quarter or the early in the third quarter i don't remember mm-hmm. exactly their their best two drives basically of the game were the last two drives uh where they actually didn't use him a lot so like you can kind of argue that a lot of different ways i i think the person that touches the football the most each game for the Titans offense should be Derrick Henry. It does it need, I think it needs to go from 37 to 22. And again, that's a very statistically very basic way of trying to explain it. And it's not that they need to prepare for life without him. I, I, I you know, I think he's still the best offensive weapon to your point. I, I think again, one of the refrains from Titans fans for years is to, about Todd Downing was stop running the football in first and 10. Well, they did Mm -hmm. that a lot less this game. And what does that mean? That means less carries for Derrick Henry. So I don't think you're taking Derrick Henry out of the offense. Like he's still the number one featured piece of the offense. I just like, I would argue even when they had AJ Brown, they never force fed him the football. The guy averaged like four catches a game as a Tennessee Titan. He averaged like five targets, six targets a game as a Tennessee Titan. That's not like DeAndre Hopkins had 13 targets on Sunday (laughs) against the Saints. Like, Force feeding your superstar, AJ Brown, never really happened. They force fed Derrick Henry. And I don't think you need to force feed Derrick Henry anymore. I think Derrick Henry needs to be a piece that helps you build the offense out and onto other things. So, like, if you want Spears, like, I think Spears and Chig need to be in the, or Spears and Henry need to be in the game more often together because then you can build off of Derrick Henry and implement a, a, a far more dynamic running back in the open, in the open field catching passes. Like most, you use Traylon Burks, motion him in the backfield, use Chickaconquo in, in creative ways and trick plays. Like that, that's how you build off of Derrick Henry. It's, it's, it's about stacking the offense off of him and not just relying extreme. Like, I mean, let's be honest. Like, there was a couple of months there, two years ago, three years ago, maybe even like they're just completely Derrick Henry dependent. Mm-hmm. And it, it's not that he's not an elite player, he is, but like you can't, t- defenses will adjust. Even if you get 96 yards in the first half, they are going to yeah. adjust to what you're doing. And so you, you got to be able to stack off of what he is and not just rely on that. Uh, again, I'm not going to argue with you. Could you give him the ball a couple more times in the third quarter? Sure. No, I'm not going to argue with that there. But all I've heard for like two years with Todd Downing is complaining about how many times they're handing the ball off on first mm-hmm. down and second and 10 and, and all yeah. this stuff. And so now I find it extremely ironic that now we're all complaining that they yeah. didn't hand the ball off to Derek yeah. Henry then. Well, and to your point, I feel like there's only a limited amount of time before the league finds out kind of what the Titans have in Tajay Sharp. And I feel like 
or Tajay Spears. Jeez. I, the, the league, the league knows a, about Tajay Sharp. But yeah. yeah, put a dollar in the jar. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah. Uh, Tin Tajay, all about it too. Yeah. I know that. <laughs> Tajay, I feel like it's only a matter of time before the league knows what Tajay Spears is. And so to take advantage of him while, you know, you've got Derrick Henry on the field too, it's, you know, 22 is going to command all the attention. So get the ball to 32. You know, scheme some things up. Let's let's see this it, offense thir- go to full work. 32, 85, and and 16 need to be creatively used around Derrick Henry. You know what Derrick Henry is, and you know what DeAndre Hopkins is. Are you know what they are? You know what they are. Like they they do what they do extremely well. Build the offense off of those two with the other three guys that can do everything. And that and then and then work it all together into the big picture. And I actually thought there was some good play stacking by Tim Kelly. Like, again, they they would run a particular play action off a of first down and hit somebody on a crossing route or an out route with NWI. Then they'd come back and run the exact same formation and they'd hand it off and Derrick Henry would go off tackle and pick up seven yards. So, like, there's, there's a way to stack all that to make it work. And I thought that Tim Kelly did a pretty good job. Like, could it mm-hmm. have been better? Sure. Everybody could have been better when you lose. Um, but, if, if again, if I'm ranking 10 things that cost them the game. I'm not even sure Tim Kelly's on the list. Yeah, I, I'm I'm pleased with how that game was called for the most part. You, you, you hit a couple of plays and Tim Kelly's a hero, right? But uh, last thing on the Henry thing, I'm fine with the touches. Like, I understand that and kind of taking it easy on him early. And But the snap count has to change because what's better than Derrick Henry getting the ball? The threat of Derrick Henry getting the football. And that opens, up for, that opens it up for a struggling right. quarterback like Tannehill. Now, you said they were moving the ball most efficiently in the fourth quarter. Why do they kick on fourth and six? I I totally disagreed with that. I think that's a situation where you draw up your Tim Kelly draws up the best play he's got because fourth and six, you can you can run just about anything. Run the best play you got and yeah. you know find it. This, this is why you brought in D Hop, right? This is why you paid him all the money. This is why you drafted Tajay Spears. You have all these guys who can make plays for you in this low red zone, but you kick it and trust your defense who was great all day but you gave him really no room for error yeah plus i put uh money at, uh on the saints minus three so it was a win-win situation for me <laughs> the titans go for it get the win or i win some money and I, here i i walk away with two losses I, I am also one of those people that drafts nothing but fantasy players on my arch rival teams so that if they do well <laughs> i somehow benefit and then yes. gamble against and then gamble against my favorite team so that again i've hedged my bets and win right. somehow, no matter what. Um, so there's, there's, look, this is like you, you could, there's like literal baseball movies made about this decision, um, which is the analytics versus like sort of your sports logic. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're, they're supposed to work together. They're supposed to work in unison. They're supposed to work like the data tells you 33% chance to win the game, li- literally 33% chance to get win the game if you go for it there, 22% chance to win the game if you kick the field goal, 11, 10 or 11% difference analytically the data nerds will tell you never ever ever decrease your chance of winning by 10 percent with three minutes to go in the game that is what the data nerds will tell you there's also there's also the football trust what you've seen on the field you've talked to your players you're in the sideline the quarterback like do you trust the quarterback in fourth and six or do you trust the quarterback starting back around let's say his 30 and having to get 25 yards or 30 yards to get a field goal I could argue both sides of it, honestly. Like you, you kind of can. The defense had given up. I want to say, and I, I said this on our show. I think off the top of my head, I think they had given up 39 yards rushing on 23 carries at that point of the game. Like less than two yards a carry 
if you can get them into a, to a traditional, I've got to get a first down to win the game situation. I trust the Titans defensive line. I'm, I'm kind of on the data side of this. I think going for it makes a little bit more sense. Do I understand what Vrabel did and why he did it? Probably. Yes. Um, the kicker was great. His whole was entire... he just showing was he just showing off his new shiny kicker that was actually good? <laughs> yeah, I think that's Maybe. what it was. You get a new toy, you want to like show it off to your friends. Yeah, I mean, after like his plan all along though was not to get into the end zone. Like they were terrible in the red zone, which also is an outlier for this team. This team has traditionally been very good in the red zone under Mike Vrabel. So it's a little, it's weird. It's it's a weird decision. Normally Vrabel also very good in these sort of data driven, mm-hmm. go for it or not to go for it sort of analytics decisions. And sometimes you just make a decision because you think. Hey, I've been standing here on the sideline with these 53 guys. This is what I think is going to help us the best. And sometimes you're right. And sometimes you're wrong. And the defense run defense had been elite. The quarterback had not been good all game long. Uh, They had been moving the ball in the previous two drives in between the twenties pretty well. I think you can kind of put all that together and make the case for why he did it. Does it mean he should have gone for it? I, I think the data, again, the data will tell you he should have. So I actually, even in the moment, I was kind of torn. Even in the moment, I was like, I know exactly what the analytics say to do here. I also understand why I also understand why he's doing what he's doing. So like I even in the moment, I was kind of 50-50 on it. If you don't get it, I mean they're they're pinned deep in their own territory and they're gonna run the clock. Like I, I just I just thought it was kind of too conservative for me. And you know, we've seen Vrabel make decisions like he did in London uh in his first season where he goes for the jugular. I think that yeah. And let me know what you think about this. And Austin, I'm curious what you think too. If Tannehill only throws one pick that day and they're sitting on that fourth and six, do you think that decision's a little different? I don't think so. Really? I think he was I think I think Tannehill was yeah. off on the first snap. I think Tannehill saw ghosts. Like he stood in a clean pocket in the first quarter and like ran into his own tackle. <laughs> and like like yeah. Tannehill, Tannehill was seeing ghosts the entire game. He missed mm-hmm. open receivers. It wasn't just the three underthrows. He missed open receivers. He created pressure for himself. Uh, like I, to me, and I think Vrabel even doubled down on this on Monday after the game, where he's like, "Yeah, Ryan wasn't very good." <laughs> like I'm, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm paraphrasing, but I don't think he trusted his quarterback in the red zone because he hadn't done it all game. They actually had moved the ball a little bit between the tackles. What you're doing is you're going to have to get a stop no matter what, right? You either have to get a stop after the fourth and sixth failed conversion, or you have to get a stop after the, the um, you know, if you kick off and kick the field goal like they did. Obviously, they didn't. But what you're asking, like, you're essentially shrinking the field on the second drive is what you're doing by 30 yards is what you're trying to do. That That's what he, that's the math he's doing in his head. Like, all right, I'm going to have to, yeah, like, I either have to I have to go these 30 yards to score a touchdown with a fourth and six, or I'm going to have to go these 35 or 40 yards to kick a field goal to win the game. And I, you know, six and one it half was, a dozen the other. <laughs> yeah. It was one of those decisions where I was like, so happy I'm not an NFL head coach because I wouldn't have been able to make it within the Bingo. 30 second, 40 second no, I mean, play hmm. clock. That's <laughs> when you push like, pause on the video game. You push pause. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. You do the math. Okay. What am I? Okay. No. Uh, Brayden, uh, we've got two minutes before our uh, Zoom timer runs out. Uh, very professional on our front. And I was I'm going to say, A to, Z to be... not, A to Z not poning up for the real Zoom? Come on now. Come on, <laughs> I think they just want to try and keep a timer on us to get these this podcasts is, to be shorter. This is more for us because we can ramble with the best. That's, we can. We tend to ramble quite a bit. But, um, and Brayden, since uh, I didn't give you a heads up about this ahead of time, Jack and I gave our top five power rankings for 
uh, the things we're most disappointed about uh, on Sunday, and it can be anything stemming from the game. I'm I'm asking for your top three, and I'm going to filibuster a little bit since I did not uh, tip you off to this ahead of time. Um, but any anywhere from Ryan Tannehill, the officiating. So it has coaching, to be related whatever. to the game. I was going to go with the. Uh, I was going to go with the Wisconsin Supreme Court rulings. Uh, I, was, <laughs> I didn't know it had to be related to the game. Um, number one, uh, number one, Ryan Tannehill. Number two, Ryan Tannehill. Number three, Ryan Tannehill. All three. No, wow. No, I mean, he's he's number one. I would put the secondary probably at number two. And I, I like I think the offensive line is getting a lot of credit because of some data analytics. I still need to see that consistently um, a little bit more. So I'm not, it's not, it wasn't a disappointment. That's probably a bad, that's probably unfair. It probably wasn't a disappointment. So uh, the officials weren't great, but I don't think it cost them the game. Um, Vrabel's decision is, uh, it's, it's, it's hard to make it the thing you're disappointed about. Yeah. Because he, because he threw the challenge flag on the first, within mm -hmm. the first five seconds that the season started and he was right. So uh -huh. um, I'd go, how about this? Ryan Tannehill one, the secondary two, Ryan Tannehill three. How about that? Oh, wow. that's okay. Fair. I, okay. I'll wait, allow it. Was it just me or was Andre Dillard in the backfield more than Ryan Tannehill uh, on, uh, on Sunday? I, I think the analytics are off on how well the Titans offensive line play, but I, again, that's what it felt like, yeah. Analytics are only meant to be a part of the evaluation process. Right. Not all of the evaluation process. Otherwise, every MLB GM would be asking Scott Hatterberg to be their first baseman, right? <laughs> That's exactly right. And, and Kevin know, Cash would good... be Joe Torre, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> People forget they had three Cy Young Award winners on that team in the book. They just just glossed over. Yeah, yeah, they they kind of just glossed <laughs> over that one. Thanks, Michael Lewis. It's it's weird, Michael Lewis. Yeah, would, what a uh, loser. Gloss over a storyline. <laughs> <laughs> terrible, um, terrible writer. No good books. Full stop. No notes. <laughs> All right, we're literally at 60 seconds, but uh, the officiating uh, would have taken back one of those uh, those interceptions from Tannehill, right? And yeah. given the Titans the ball first and goal on the five? Yeah, I mean, the, the Bayard inter the fumble return, you know, that's certainly, like, I thought the Dobbs fumble was a forward pass last year. I don't know how the Derek Carr one wasn't, but again, two separate crews, nine months apart. I don't know how you tie them together. But it was probably a questionable call not to let it play out at least. Um, but there were a lot of pass interference calls that could have gone both ways that they that they let play. They clearly let them do a lot of hand checking with with Hopkins and Lattimore. Um, I don't blame officials as a, as a general philosophy. I don't blame kickers and I don't blame officials. There's 130 plays in a game. Go win the game. Go show that you're better. And they had lots of opportunities in the red zone and they did not do it. Guys, go listen to a football show with that man right there, Braden Gall, and uh, the Voldemort of this podcast, uh, He Who Shall Not Be Named. Uh, Braden, thank you so much for joining us, man. We always appreciate you. Always a pleasure, boys. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. <laughs> there are no flags on the field. It's a miracle. Tennessee has pulled a miracle. Special thanks again to our guy, Braden Gall, for joining us. And as we promised, all episode long, we are going to have you leaving this sode feeling better than when you first started listening. Okay. Now that may be hard. Teams 0-1. Quarterback look like crap. Okay. It uh there's not a lot going on. Even though we, they played in a dome stadium, the sky was falling on Sunday. We are here to tell you that it is not. Okay. We are here to tell, give you some positives that you can bank off of. And I think it, what's funny is Daniel Brunskill, of all players, 
was like the voice of reason that we yes. needed, even even for Vrabel, because he said he went up to Mike Vrabel and he basically said he told him, hey, look, coach. I was with the Niners last year. We started our season in Chicago. I remember this game vividly. It was a monsoon in the, in the rain. Yeah. And the Bears won that game. Now, that was a tale of two, uh, of, of two teams right there because uh, one team went on to lose uh, 15 of their next 16 games. <laughs> and the other team went on to go to the NFC Championship game. And that, that was through a lot of adversity. Obviously, they got down to, what, their third-string quarterback in Brock Purdy. So the season is long, okay? So for us to... Uh, dwell on week one and say, oh, this is the team that we're going to get week in and week out. No, uh, Ryan Tannehill was an anomaly. That was his worst career game. You're not going to get that from Rabel. In fact, I found myself agreeing and forgive me, Lord, for saying this, agreeing with a Paul Koharski tweet from earlier this week. He's kind of on where, a hot street after the chat GPT country strong. Paul Koharski is, yeah, he is on a burner right now for sure. He is, he is just every, he is thumbing out gems left and right. The hottest man in Nashville. People are asking. Which would be good for me because that would mean male pattern baldness is in. That would be a positive for you. See, Mm -hmm. I told you we are going to look anyone suffering. I'm feeling better already, Austin. Wow. Anyone suffering from, uh, From hairlines uh, decreasing. Look, this is, uh, we told you, we we're going to, you're going to leave this podcast feeling better. Paul Karski tweeted, Ryan Tannehill was awful yesterday, but the element of the fan base that is now acting like he's never been good for the Titans, like he throws three picks weekly, needs to slow down and look back. Maybe it's ending, but still. Now, keep in mind, when Ryan Tannehill was seven and three last season, he had thrown only six interceptions in those 10 games. Okay. Now, granted, he matched half of that on Sunday alone, but I th- I would be willing to bet that that ten game sample size is a little bit better as to what the Tannehill you'll get than this one game sample size. And people like to people like to um, take it back to the Cincinnati Bengals game, which again was another bad performance from him. But you you can't look at those two games and then discredit everything that happened in between those two. Tannehill is going to go down as one of the winningest quarterbacks in uh, as a Titan uh, in history. And I, I think that, yeah, he did suck and he was terrible, but quarterbacks tend to have those days. Keep in mind, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen around the league is, was your case in point. And, and let me build off of that point because this is where I wanted to start as well. I'm glad you got us here. When it comes to the playoff picture in the AFC, there's a lot of quarterbacks with all-pro talent that the Titans are going to have to get by. They're going to have to beat the Bills. They're going to have to beat the Bengals. They're going to have to beat the Chiefs. We thought we, they would have to beat the Jets, but that, that may not have to happen at all. Here are the quarterbacks that did that this week. Jared Goff, Zach Wilson, Tua Tungavailoa, Deshaun Watson. Tannehill can play up to those guys' caliber. Tannehill, sure. if they if they can do it, the Titans can do it. Now, it sucks because we had all offseason to hype this team up and to convince ourselves that they can, you know, make a run here. 
And that was that was what we saw week one, which kind of just I mean, it deflates every single one of us. It does. Right. But yeah, like you mentioned, that Tannehill's not going to show up 17 times this year. It no. it, the, it yeah. will get better. It hurts more because of all the time we had in between to sit on it and to convince ourselves that it wouldn't be that. And the first thing we saw was exactly what everyone told us to look out for. Sucks. The uh, yeah, the the stat that I love to share that I've shared a lot on this podcast. Um, going into this season, Ryan Tannehill, since taking over as starter, was the fourth highest rated passer in the league, and I believe he's fifth on that uh, on that ranking uh, in wins. So to anyone who says, oh, you know, to anyone who goes on Facebook and and or the comments of a YouTube video or anything and hits him with some sort of bad pun like Tana bum or or Tana pick or, Tana trash. or you know, yeah, 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 Tana garbage, you know, just really yeah, I, bad. I, I, puns. Need, I need to delete my Facebook. I, I have to. I... The, the, they're not even puns. Anyone who's that like that like you're probably not going to convince them one way or another unless Ryan Daniel wins a Super Bowl, they're not going to ever believe in him. Um, but it again, Sunday was an anomaly and it was a bad anomaly for a guy who doesn't have a lot of good PR in the league to begin with, but he can't be, we know he can be better. So, and let's hope this isn't now look, I, and I did like what Paul Karski wrote at the end of his tweet. He said, maybe it's ending, but still it's not like he hasn't been good for this team. To begin with. So, yeah, maybe and, it's and, ending. Maybe it is. And it, if that's the case, you have him for one more season. If it's not the case, if he goes out and balls out the rest of the year, then maybe you sign him to one more year deal and let the the uh, buns in the oven that are Will Levis and Malik Wills cook for one more year. I don't know. Yeah. And before we move to defense, because I feel like the positivity segment should mostly be about this awesome defense, uh, at I least know, this right? awesome front. That was like the one positive. Uh, yeah. Somehow like we're, we're turning a positive into like the worst the, part about this game, which was Ryan Tannehill. The Titans can hang their heads on the fact that they lost by a singular point in Tannehill's worst game as a Titan to a team that many people across the league think that they can win the NFC South, make the playoffs yeah. Yeah. In one of the hardest places to play. And, so, and against one of the best defenses in the league, I would also add. Yeah, I, I think they are they will end the season in the top five of the, the Saints, of NFL team defenses. The Saints defense won't be lining up against the Titans or offense for the rest of the season. So you have that to hang your hat on. Now, my next point. Amani Hooker is a dog. You know how Deion Sanders puts L and D on his players' jerseys instead of the regular C you see for captain? The L stands for leader. And the D stands for dog. I want to put a big D. Well, pause. Well, uh, yeah, wait, no, go on, go on. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see a D on Amani Hooker's jersey. Yeah, you do. The letter D. <laughs> <laughs> Thank oh, God I man. stopped myself early. That could have been a disaster. Yeah, no. Where else do you want to see a D? But dude? seriously, Amani uh, Hooker, don't take this away. Don't take this moment away from Amani Hooker, Austin. You know, you know he was a beast. I, yeah. Jack's like, yeah, I want to see a D on Amani Hooker. Don't, 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 <laughs> don't talk about D's and hookers in the same sentence like that, Jack. That's uh, that'll get that could get you arrested. That could yeah. put you on some uh, watch lists for sure. Man, I went over that in my head and I was like, yeah, that, that's a good like cultural reference that's going on currently that people will understand. And Austin's dirty mind here just ruins it all. 
Uh, okay, moving on from Amani Hooker. Defensive line, a problem. Big Jeff, Danico Autry, more cowbell. They're going to be beasts. Guess what? I got a fever. And the only prescription is more cowbells. I mean, this, this we thought this defensive line, uh, you know, had questions on the outside, but who gives a shit when your interior guys are playing that way? I mean, and, and that's so encouraging to see. For that to come from an Ole Miss guy, that means you know he means it. You know, look, mm-hmm. Jack could Jack, Jack could bitch and moan that the Titans don't pander to his fan base uh, enough, but instead <laughs> he goes out and he appreciates the guys from his rival school and Gosh. gives them the props that they deserve. And they were beasts. They were awesome. In fact, that entire front line on the defense, uh, the Tickle Monsters are back, y'all, and they're back in a big way and Derek Carr is extremely ticklish we learned that on Sunday that was awesome in fact Jack I wrote down one positive when we said we were going to do positives to end the the podcast I could only think of one okay and maybe I was still in my feels when I prepped for this podcast but I could only was it a hundred dollars was it a hundred dollars off of red zone I still haven't gotten that code yet uh mm. I'm you they know what you. I, sh- I should do all my betting through bet MGM to be honest with you because FanDuel is a joke. My one positive, and I wrote this down. I'm going to read this word for word as I wrote it down. Arden Key likes sack lunches. Nom, 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 nom. <laughs> like, I'm not joking when I say this, dude. He's so good. And I'm not, I don't want to, I don't want to compare him to this because it's not fair to Arden Key. Um, nor is he is he in that class, but it was the closest thing I think I've seen in two tone blue to Javon Kirsch, where you just had speed Whoa. off the edge. I know. Look, I'm not saying he is Javon Kirsch because Javon Kirsch, he was the freak for a reason. He was head and shoulders above what Arden Key is. But to me, Arden Key is the closest thing we have seen since Javon Kirsch. Wow. And big words. He was the speed off the edge. I, I was watching him like when when uh, the Saints would line up on offense, I would watch Arden Key. I would find him on the defensive line and I would watch him come off the ball. And it was he was beating his man like six out of ten times, uh, six out of eight times. I don't know. I, I'm bad with numbers. But like you, you like it felt like every time they had a chance to sack Derek Carr. And they did a lot of times. And Arden Key was a big disruptor in all of that. I am so glad that might be even more than uh, uh, Aziz Shire. I think Arden Key is that was the best offseason signing by the Titans. I liked what I saw out of Aziz as, as well. I, I think that they're both great. Uh, it's going to be I, tougher I, I, to track yes. like Aziz's impact because he can do things in pass defense as well, where Arden Key is kind of you know a pass rusher. Uh, Strictly, but yeah, I, I I loved what I saw from Arden Key. My last thing I'll say, Nick Westberg-Akine, more reliable than overnight delivery from Amazon. Man moves those chains. Hey, look, both, de- both deliver. One just delivers more in a timely manner. Say that much, huh? Yeah. All right. I, 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 feel, I, I, I feel much better. Yeah, I think we're primed for success, my man. Well, an Amazon joke. Oh yeah, the prime. Okay. Nice. All right. I, look, I, I gotta get right. you. You threw yeah, me no, out of the loop when you brought up the you brought up the D and then. If only we had some uh, preseason games that we could have worked these cobwebs out on. Um, 
They didn't play guys. the starters, and neither did we. <laughs> what if we did? What if we just had backups do every one of our episodes in the during uh, training camp? That would be hilarious. Oh, that actually, you know what? If Rabel, that's what we should do next year. If Rabel's going to rest the starters next year for the preseason, we should rest us. We should just <laughs> we should like get like A to Z to get like a couple of interns in here and host this podcast for like three weeks. Yeah, match their energy. I like that. And we'll just and it's not like we won't be on the podcast. We'll just stand off to the side and observe, making sure that they clothes. don't they don't get us canceled while yeah. we're off the mic. Or I guess technically we wear street clothes when we record these episodes every week. So we'll be Jack and I will be in full uniform standing off to the side. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> uh, guys, follow the, the podcast at Tighten Up Pod on Twitter at Tighten Up Podcast on Instagram. Follow us there again. You want to get your timeline full of Titans content this time of year because uh, football it reigns supreme and the Titans are going to bounce back. There's not a doubt in my mind. So uh, you want to have your timelines filled with Titans content. I get in, I don't get in trouble, but my, my boss doesn't enjoy how much I tweet about the Titans um, and that I'm not, you know, like that's basically my entire identity. So if you want more Titans content, you can follow me at Austin Huff. Jack is the same (laughs) way at Jack, a gentry constantly (laughs) tweeting about the Titans and uh, is filling your timeline and sharing good content on there. So we encourage you guys to follow um, all of them. And of course, follow A to Z sports on all of the social media platforms, because there you will get some great, great content in in terms of press conferences and everything. Uh, Buck does a terrific job this time of year. Honestly, I don't know how he does it, but um, he does. And um, Jack, before we get out of here, do you have anything for the road? Chargers hate week. And this one's for stealing Billy Volick. Oh, damn. Good pull. Uh, consider that you remember the Titan for the week. I will say this. If Ryan Tannehill goes out and throws an interception on Sunday in like the first half or something, don't don't be one of those fans that just starts booing him off the field because that's that's what is that helping? No, and we're on a we're on an eight game losing streak. We can't have that energy in there. They need all the help they can get from, from they, the fan. Thank you. Thank you, Jack. They they are on an eight-game losing streak, which that might be your defense. Well, they're on an eight-game losing streak. They deserve to be booed. Don't be that fan. Don't be that fan. It's the home opener. It is the uh, brand-new season. Do not boo. If you want to boo, save it for Halloween. Lastly, gosh, we got to go. Plus, Last- with all the ghosts Tannehill is seeing, he's, seeing, he's getting enough boos in his life as it is. <laughs> Lastly, before we get out of here, PSA, Titans fans who are going to the game, I will be on the Acme rooftop with Austin Stanley doing the Titans game day show. So come say what's up. Um, come have a beer and let's let's will this Titans team to their first win of the season. Make that your homework. If you're going, if you're even going to be anywhere in the downtown Nashville area, go to the rooftop at Acme. Find Jack. He'll be the lanky, balding, uh, six foot nine, uh, 13 year old <laughs> up there. Uh, they're going to go up to Mike Herndon now. <laughs> <laughs> go, uh, go up to Jack, take a photo with him, and then tweet it at me at Austin Huff and tag Jack in it. Jack A. Gentry. I love uh, that's that. your homework for for the week. So go find Jack at Acme Feed and Seed. That right there at the Lower Broad. Um, you can go on the way to the uh, to the game if you are going to the game on the way to the stadium. Just go right across the pedestrian bridge. It's right there. Um, all right, we're going to get out of here. Chargers hate week. They look, we always suck when we go to Southern Cal to play the Chargers. 
Now it's time for the Chargers to suck coming back here. And Welcome to hell, yeah. Chargers was the first game that launched the Ryan Tannehill era. And, oh, I forgot to get this last point in. You're right. You're right. He's got a good history of success against them. Plus, the last point, you give me the Saints and the Chargers. Which game do I want more? I want the Chargers. AFC win. It's a tiebreaker. NFC, you can lose to the NFC teams. Got to beat the AFC guys. Let's beat them. That is a great point, Jack. I appreciate you bringing that up. All right, look, do you not feel better? Because I do. I feel better. I honestly wish they played like in a couple hours, but it's a Tuesday and the league's not canceling games anymore because of COVID. That's a good point. That's a good point. Man, the Titans are so good on Tuesday Night Football. All right, with all of that said, until next week, tighten up. Tighten up. They're the Tennessee Titans. They're the Tennessee Titans.